What's up, everybody? It's your pal Sig Neutron, back for another episode. And this time, I sit down with my pal Stella Sensel from Face Off. Um, yeah, we met back on Face Off, and uh, we've been friends ever since. This episode was actually recorded Saturday, July twenty fourth, twenty twenty one. So it's been a it's been a hot minute. But uh, we talk about. The emotional toll of face-off, we talk about queerness, we talk about um, the pandemic and cryptocurrencies. We, it's, it's a wonderful conversation and uh, we, go, we go all over the place. So uh, without further ado, let's get to it. I'm Sig Neutron and this is... Sig Neutron! What's up, everybody? It's your pal, Brandon, and this is the first episode that I've done of Sputron as Brandon, uh, interviewing one of my favorite people, Stella Setzel. Welcome. Thanks for joining me. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. uh, Thank you so much for joining us. If you all don't know, uh, Stella and I met on season seven of Face Off. We became friends, and then we interacted a few after the show. We always see each other at events and stuff, monster paloozas and things like that. Always had a, a good blurry time that I remember, at least. I was I was a heavy drinker back then, so but I remember lots of fun being had. That's <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, we had fun. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, never a bad time was had. I promise you that. Uh, that's good. If you don't remember, I do. That's good. That's good. I'm glad somebody remembers because I was there, but yeah. I don't know. Where where was there? I'm not sure. <laughs> you had a great time. I, <laughs> I, I remember. You had an amazing time. Is there any uh, highlights of just face-off party days that, you, that come to mind immediately? Because there's lots of good stories. Oh, totally. I mean, the party that you had at your house for, I don't even remember what it was for. It was face-off related. Uh-huh. The premiere or the, I don't know, the last one. I don't know. <laughs> what was it? Um, I, uh, I, yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> I, I don't know what it was for. God, it was so long ago. And I so try not to think about face-off sometimes. Because I <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I'm like, I think the show ruined my life. And then other times I'm like, it totally helped boost my career so i don't know what i don't know how to feel about it i've mixed emotions i'm so glad you brought that up because like i think that's going to be a big part of our conversation today is face off and like the pros and cons of it because like to be honest like i'll just say it right now like i have a lot of wonderful memories from face off and i have a lot to thank face off for but also the stuff that you didn't see behind the scenes and how they treated us as people and just the whole system in general uh, was kind of nightmarish. And uh, actually, like I, I'm still as I do this trauma work and like understand myself, I realize a lot. I did accrue a lot of trauma from Face Off. Um, and I guess I don't know. That's leading. Let's you just want to start talking about that. Like, how was your experience? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the good parts of it were were. A lot of it was off camera. The good parts was like the people. It was just the people was like the best part of it, really. Mm-hmm. And then, and then number two is just free reign to create stuff mm-hmm. and and unlimited supplies to do so. Like that was that was number two for me. And then I don't know, but then like the rest of it, like being cooped up in that space and not allowed to talk to your loved ones, have pictures of your loved ones be able to even read a fucking book or like journal 
everything was stripped away from us. We can't have a notebook. We can't have pens and pencils. It was frustrating, that part of it. And like the way that the way that we were treated, especially by PAs, which infuriates me, mm-hmm. like to no end the way that that they treated us. I, I think about it still sometimes. And I remember, you know, this like the stories that Frank would he's either told about Frank or told by Frank about how he behaved while he was doing it. And I was like, yeah, you know, I wish I had the balls to do the same thing sometimes. Cause I, I feel like I was kind of like gobsmacked. Like I can't believe this is happening and then I don't know what to do about it. And I want to open my mouth, but I don't want to be an asshole, but I, but I don't like the way I'm being treated. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was hard. Like I didn't, there were certain people, the way they, just the way they spoke to us, like treated us like frigging cattle. And I was like, I'm a human being and like, stop. Yeah. Like, you you don't have a show without us, without us. So I don't understand. Like you don't have a job without us. So I don't understand why you're treating me like I'm not a person. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, and, and for more context and clarity, like, and again, I want to balance this out with like, there were people on the crew and everything like that, like were fantastic and it was like kind of a well-oiled machine absolutely oh my god yeah and so so for every for every bad thing that there was there was also just as much good balancing it out by good people in the mix like running the show and like the 80s were incredible like all this stuff was awesome but like just to put it in context when we went to the show they sequestered us they took us out of reality uh all of us like they upended us from our lives they didn't allow us to have uh, the photos as you said they didn't allow us to have um anything nostalgic we couldn't we were just like locked in a uh, a house with other people that we just had met you know and like then also like all of us being artists and stuff like i my tools for like mental health and stuff is like i disassociate into sketching and drawing and like and like you said journaling and stuff and i didn't have any of that for like two solid months and then on top of just that's that's just the domestic living situation and we don't get to call our families they don't get to call us like they completely like shield is is literally almost like being in prison you know uh to yeah. but yeah. then but then they let you out to go have fun and play creative and make monsters which is like one of my favorite things to do so it was like it was this amazing like I felt so alive when I was creating, but then when we would be back in the house, I was so dead and so like distraught and it was just like mentally it was like such a drain, you know. Yeah. I feel that. Like that that's what like when we were like entertaining each other, finding ways to entertain each other and finding ways to just like try to make that feel better was like those were some of the best times. Mhm. Yeah. It, it, it really was absolutely. Yeah. So so the 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 beauty there was like a beauty born in that because like we're all these creative people that were stripped of like any kind of normalcy and like and they kind of like the nature of that they had to treat us like children you know they they stocked the fridges mm-hmm. of anything that we could have asked for so that was pretty awesome so it's like it wasn't well, they like took it the was... labels they took the labels <laughs> off all the cans so it was like <laughs> you can eat but good luck figuring out what it is <laughs> So, so having constant food on tap was pretty cool, and the house was cool, you know, and it was like super fucking haunted. But that's you know another story. Maybe we'll get some ghost stories in a bit. But um, we started playing games like uh, like drop it in my mouth and like just hide and seek because we had this big house. Like there was this banister, so we would just drop like popcorn and like cereal into each other's mouths from the banister because like we're so fucking bored, man. Like it's literally like yeah about like after a month, like it doesn't take very long for cabin fever to set in once you're like. Uh, like 
intentionally stripped away from the real world you know real world right yeah i mean i feel like even like you know the the rapport that you and drew had where you would talk to each other in characters was just like we just gotta make shit up to like entertain ourselves oh my god yes we're gonna talk in characters (laughs) and it was fucking hilarious but it was also just like i can't believe that we are play acting because that is all we can do yeah yeah Yeah. And, you know, and their reasoning for stripping us from like notebooks and and sketchbooks and stuff is because they didn't want us like designing in our in off the show. And it's like for what I kind of understand that. But also, too, it's like, I don't know if everybody had the option, then it's like, well, you know, uh, there's I just it's not like anyone would have one up over someone else. If exactly. We all had the option. Yeah. You know? it's, but then taking it away from everybody does so much damage to everybody, you know? And it's like, and they, yeah. they, they specifically say they, they call it the bubble that they wanted to put people in. The reality TV show bubble, which is a pressure cooker that is made to break you and made to make you have reactions on camera. It's like, you know, that's what it's designed to do. True. But I feel like, you remember season one of Face Off, where they tried to instigate problems between, like, interpersonal problems between it, it really turned me off. Like, yep. I was like, I don't know about that. Like, I don't like that at all. That's Absolutely. Kind of I don't like that. And every season after, I feel like rebelled against that behavior. Mm-hmm. Because we're like, that is not who we are. And this is not Phil Donahue. Like, we don't need to act like that. Absolutely. No. Yeah. And then, so, so this is like our, you know, our domestic life of just existing on the show. But then you look at the schedule of the show, and there's not much really that could be done about this. It's just, it is what it is. It's that we get like, typically it's a three, we get three days for a challenge. We design it the first day, we make it the second day, and we apply it the third day, right? That's the, sometimes there's more time, sometimes there's less time. Um, And sometimes the day after an elimination, we get to do, we did interviews where we would talk about what happened and kind of unpack it. Um, that's where you see like the talking heads. But then uh, some days we'd go straight into a new challenge. And basically, like the emotional roller coaster that it takes to like be the designer, the creator, that get this thing done, put yourself out there for like in to be judged in the first place. Um, and and it's like I I where I'm at now, I have a completely different perspective on this. That I am not a fan of competition shows where anybody judges people and tears their work apart because everybody on that show for God's sakes, did fucking amazing because, like, nobody does what we did in the show in that time. You know what I mean? No, and I've tried. <laughs> I've tried and I've failed. Yeah. It's not It's not realistic. And, and if somebody wanted me to do what we did in that amount of time, I'd be like, for real, though, it's not going to look good on camera. Like, I, yep. this is... This is fast and cheap of the fast, cheap and good triangle. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, so they're like, yeah, but people did it on Face Up. They could do it. You could do it. I'm like, you are. If you believe a reality TV competition show, okay, friend. But in real life, it doesn't work that way. Although sometimes in TV land, like when we're doing episodics. In TV, we don't get that script or know what what's going to happen in that episode. And sometimes you don't get very much lead time. And you have like a week to make some like ridiculous. I remember this TV show I did. I think they had a week to do a dead body. Now, they shopped it out to a wow. different shop where they used the they, they life cast her face but used a random body. 
and put the the head on that random body. But like it was an autopsy body. It was really cool. Mm. The 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 theory was this body is so friggin' expensive because that's the reality of it, right? You uh-huh. want something good and fast, it's gonna be really expensive. And they spent a lot of money on this body. Mm-hmm. And the and the the, theor- the working theory behind it was as well, we can use this body for other things mm-hmm. and just not show the face. Sure. Or put different hair on it or yep. whatever. But we could do all sorts of operation scenes because we have this full open cavity chest and we could so that was the the theory behind spending all this money on this body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know this is where it's interesting because like even even since its inception, Face Off has had a it's it's not necessarily particularly that well received within industry uh, the, within the industry oh, yeah. itself. Um, and the, it, with, I'm embarrassed to tell some people that I did it. I'm super embarrassed to tell some people that I was on Face Off. Yeah, like well, for real, Jamie from season eight. I believe I think she was on the season after us, or maybe the season before us. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. She and I took a class from Mike Marino in his shop. It was like a a master class, right? Mm-hmm. And he was asking us about stuff. And then somebody, I don't know who did it, but somebody told them that we were on Face Off, and I was so embarrassed. I was like, please, no, please, no. Oh, my God. Why? I mean, and they kind of kidded around with us a little bit about it. But I was like, yeah. I didn't want them to know. I didn't want them to know. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a, it's an interesting. It's a, it's very complicated. You know, I guess where I come from, it's like I've been working in the industry before I went on Face Off. So it's like I, I knew going into it, like, you know, I was that I'm just I'm doing it, you know. So it's like whatever people think about it, they think about it. So. I've never really been like embarrassed of it. It's just like, um, but I do I do acknowledge the the harmful aspects that it's done to the industry because like I actually do think it has rippled through the industry because ever since Face Off, all the jobs I've gotten have gotten increasingly short lead times and, and like increasingly higher expectations for less time and less money. So it's like. Uh, that could be a sign of where the industry is headed. It could have w- went that way regardless, but also like Face Off could have been, because yeah, a lot of people did say, well, they did it on Face Off, you know? And it's just like, well, that's not realistic. And it's also not conducive to any anyone's mental health, you know, or like, it, no, you know, so. I mean, but then they also say that Louis Zakarian does it. And I'm like, that doesn't count. <laughs> he still has a whole week. Uh, yeah, right? A whole week, yeah. That man, like, I remember when, like, the, the productions would give you, like, months to do things. And now it's just, like, I, I, I really, just the state of the industry as a whole, um, like, where I'm at, like, I kind of, like, stepped out of the big industry because it's just, like, I recognized a long time ago, there's, I, I, I personally don't feel like there's, like, much soul in in major motion pictures these days. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to devalue the work that artists and creatives put into these things because they are, like, beautiful, yeah. beautiful, like, any of the Marvel movies, like, they're fucking fun to watch and they're cool and they're flashy, you know, and that's a lot of work. And it's, like, it, it deserves to be honored, you know, but it's, like... Um, I don't know. I just don't feel a certain... I, I'm much more of like a cult horror underground person anyways. So I feel like I've, I'm leaving the, that industry to find my way in, in the underground, I think. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. I mean, I have this... As, a, as an artist working in the industry, when I had my union interview and they want, and they were asking me like, you know, the kind, what kind of work do you expect to get when you start? And I was like, listen... My heart just wants to do effects all the time, but 
the bread and butter is doing regular makeup all the time and knowing how to do different time periods. So I like realistically, I know what I'm getting into, but I also know that there are people that you go to when you want the effects done. And I know exactly who all of those people are here in New York. Anyway, Mm -hmm. I know exactly who all of those people are that people go to. And there's, there's a handful of them, a handful of people and they're all men. And it drives me insane because I've like me as an artist and I, and this is not against, I I don't even want to make it about gender, but because we've, you know, we've known for so long that certain aspects of this industry are a boys club. Mm -hmm. And I try not to make it that way. I make it a point to only uplift women or, or my queer allies. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm, I only want to uplift us and I, and I try not to give any more work to the boys club. Yeah. But at the end of the day, when someone asks me for a recommendation and, I, and who is available mm-hmm. to do the work, unfortunately, I have to like be like, well, you know, this guy, he's really good and he might be available. He just hit me up and asked if, he, if I knew if any work was going on. So maybe try that. I used to work in a Halloween store, by the way. Oh, nice. I always wanted Halloween. to work at the Halloween store, but no, none of the, you know, a, a quick side story. None of them in the Midwest would ever hire me. I was like so incredibly discriminated against in the Midwest. I couldn't even get a job at a Halloween you store. Would have, you would have been hired right away at our store. <laughs> I, w- I would have loved it. You know, it's like, I've always felt so. <laughs> <laughs> I always felt so at home my entire life, like in Halloween stores. It's really interesting now that I look back and that you bring that up. It's like, I just remember just standing there, like breathing in the smell of latex and just being surrounded and then like spooky music playing and stuff and like just monsters everywhere. That was like the only time I actually like, it's weird, but like I felt safe in Halloween stores, which is strange. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. But it's, you know, that... that is awesome. I mean, I feel like a lot of people feel that way. That like the Halloween store was their home and, you know, they got all their best outfits from the Halloween store. Yeah. I mean, well, if you if you really break that down and you start looking at it like universal monsters, like those are universal archetypes that represent parts of us, you know, Frankenstein and like the the Wolfman. Mm -hmm. It's all there's always a human element to them that it's like misunderstood, you know, and it's like oftentimes the people are the are the actual monsters in these films you know and it's like as queer people and stuff that 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 really resonates with me because i felt like i've always been vilified as a monster but i'm just like hey you know like i'm not trying to hurt anybody you know but then the fucking pitchforks are out you know yeah no i feel you i feel you i it was weird for me for a while especially in college like i didn't know how to tell people i was gay like Mm -hmm. i didn't i just didn't know like i don't know yeah, I, my you know my friends knew, but like my professors didn't know, my you know my teachers didn't know, and some of these people I I ended up becoming really close to, and I was like, oh my god, I've never told this person that I'm gay, and now that I've known them this long, it just feels offensive that I haven't told them that I didn't trust you enough to tell you or something, mm-hmm. which it doesn't matter. Like I don't care who knows. My feeling is I don't care who knows because I don't really care what anybody thinks about me. I'm going to do my thing anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're not going to like me because I'm gay, oh, well, I don't need that energy in my life. Mm-hmm. But I hope that you raise your children better than that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I and it, make, it makes me scared for the kids who are raised in that kind of atmosphere. I have a pretty huge family and everybody knows about like about me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I come from Wisconsin. If anyone has a problem, they don't tell me. 
and in fact every when i see them you know it's nothing but love mm -hmm. so i feel i feel very fortunate to come from a family that doesn't give me shit about who i am because mm -hmm. i do know that there are so many people out there whose families do and that's the that's the part that hurts the most is when your family shuns you yeah it really and that's I, i'm actually like dealing with that now it's a big part of like how, like yeah as we talked we talked a little bit before we got on here it's like everybody's coming out journey is like different and I'm really glad you said that, that you had no idea how to tell people you're gay. And it's like, I think I'm experiencing that too, because there's something that like, I'm, I'm experiencing this clash of realities where like people are, are like being put off because, I, because I'm being visible about how I'm trans, about how I'm pansexual and stuff. And that's something I never got to say before, you know? So it's like, people don't, but then they're like, oh, your page is just all about you being trans now, you know? And it's like, well, dude for 32 years of my life i haven't even been able to fucking figure that out you know and it's just like yeah so 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 now that i'm ready to share that with the world now i just get shit on for sharing that with the world and then it's just like so then that also shows me that the world actually isn't very accepting of trans and queer people because it's so off-putting you know like i i've literally since the first time i posted a photo of myself in heels uh it's funny because it was as simple as that it was like i always loved heels and i was like you know what fuck it I'm gonna give me some heels. So I put some on and it changed something to me. When I when I looked at myself in the mirror, I was like, huh. That's called trans euphoria. Yeah, I had no idea what this thing was, but I was also, yeah, and they, they it was like, it was like just bubbly feelings in my body. I'm like, oh my God, this is like incredible feeling of self-worth that I haven't ever, like, I can't ever remember feeling because when I was starting to feel this at 16, showing that to the world, I was aggressively like, uh, you know, attacked for it. So I was like, well, let's, you know what? It's easier just to like cover that shit up and not present myself that way because then people will accept me, you know? So then I spent my mm -hmm. entire life being what I thought was like a cis hetero male because people accepted me that way, you know? And then I got famous as Sig Neutron, a cis hetero male. And then people like that was Sig Neutron to people. But then I'm like, hey, actually, hey, I'm Brandon. And I'm like, I'm like way pansexually queer and trans. And they're like, what? They can't, I can't handle that. So it's like, I've literally lost like 30,000 followers. Like it's not even an overstatement. I've just like watched, I just watched my numbers. The more I post about myself, 30,000 people have like exited my page. And it's like, I've come to terms with that and it doesn't like hurt me anymore, but I do bring it up to illustrate like the fact that like the fact that even one person is actually like repulsed or like put off because I'm trans or pansexual. That's kind of an issue. But then like to see like 30,000 people take issue with that and they're like, it's just like, that's just a, a bellwether on where society is, you know? Yeah. I mean, I feel like when people are just there for the art and then suddenly you start talking to them about real life, they're like, I'm not here for this. I'm out of here. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's, that's fair, right? That's fair. I don't have nearly as many followers, so I I don't know what that feels like to lose them all. I'm always fluctuating between 4,500 4, and 5,000. Yeah. Like, I'm just not, I'm not in that world. Yeah. Wow, Brandon, I'm not in that world. But I can imagine what that feels like to be trolled by those people, to be, to just to, feel that mass exodus of people that does have to suck, you know, I, yeah. and I know that, um, I don't want to make excuses for these people because it's inexcusable to have to like feel that so strongly about it that you have to like unfollow when you could just keep following and maybe learn a little something that maybe you didn't know before. Yeah. 
That's learn something like, yeah, I, I'm so sorry that I'm coming into my fucking own right now and learning who I really am and you can't handle it. That sucks for you because you're missing out on this. Yeah. I mean, and like this is fucking fabulous. That's what I feel like. And I, my art is still there. Yeah. Well, see, that's what I what I'm trying to like get people to understand is that art is indistinguishable from the artist. So like when when people see me post my personal life, that is my art because it's something I'm sharing on social media, you know? And it's like so I have become the art. Like I I do like Randy does this beautiful photography of me now and I get to like express myself through the medium of my own body. That is incredibly empowering and powerful. But then people don't even see that as art. They see that as like I, I, a, an abomination you know and and then like and then i still have like weirdly religious people insisting that they know that i'm a man and and it's like it's scary it's like literally scary i grew up in the that bible belt and around these people that literally were like so absorbed in the cult of like white patriarchal christianity uh, like colonial christianity is what i call it these days because it's, it's it's like a perversion of what true gnostic christianity started as but anyway that's a different story um that's but, so interesting i have a friend i have a friend uh who i met at the halloween store who chronicled their transition in video diaries and they came from a Mormon family, wow. which I thought was also very interesting because, you know, Mormons are just on Oh, next level. level. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and there was a point in my life where I was surrounded by them. And I was like, wow. how did I get here? Wow. Tell us about that. Like, what's that like? Um, I had a I had a friend who was Mormon and I got super curious about this religion mm -hmm. because I was like, tell me more because. Not curious in, I want to join. Right. But curious as in, what the fuck is this about? Absolutely. I don't know what this is about. Yeah. Please explain it to me. And this is when I was in college. We were doing, uh, I was in theater, so we were doing a show, and we needed singers. And she was like, oh, I have friends who are singers. Well, her friends who are singers are all from Mormon church. Okay. So suddenly we have these new members of our cast that are all mormon and i'm like and they're talking about their church and they're talking and i'm fascinated i'm just fascinated with what is going on here like they have classes that they go to after they go to their service and the classes are separated the, the men go to talk about how to be a, the priest holder priesthood holder of the household where the women go to classes to talk about how to be a good wife oh shit and I'm like, i didn't know that yes whoa yes. talk they about reinforcing a harmful bi binary right there like that's like Tell literally instilling it. and my friend was dating i had my friend jewish and half black was dating her mm -hmm. and which i thought was interesting i was like so you're dating a mormon girl how's that working out Cause she kept trying to bring him to church and he was like absolutely not i'm not no this is like where i draw the line he's like your church didn't let black people in until like the 70s yeah i i have and he was like and i'm jewish so like no yeah and i was like well, what about me i'm gay what how, the, like your church says you're not supposed to associate with me at all and i'm like one of your best friends and she's like well you know i have issues with that part of my religion and they say you know my church says you can be gay you just can't act on it we totally accept you and love you and want to bring you in but you can't act on it my God. which 
I'm like, well, then what kind of life am I leading? If I can't love who I love and be who I am, what kind of life am I leading? I don't want to be trapped in that. Yeah. What's the point? If you can't love who you want to love, what's the fucking point of anything? You know? Like, I would rather die, quite frankly. Absolutely. (laughs) Love makes life worth living because there's a bunch of bullshit out there. And love is like the one time that we find solace in something that makes... We find someone or something that we look at it and we spend time with it. And it's like, oh, this is why I'm here, you know? And and there are like groups of Mm -hmm. people actively severing people, blocking people from ever being able to experience that type of love. And it's like, it's just egregious, you know? I hear you. I mean, when politics come up and people talk about, I don't understand these people in the, like, in the red states. I don't understand these people or how they could believe that way. And I'm like, oh, honey, come visit sometime. Like, you'll understand. We are, we are indoctrinated from birth to believe these things. Absolutely, yeah. And to be told other, like, I can't even, I remember being, just growing up, being told that gay was bad. And and when we said, oh, you're gay, you're gay, they meant, they meant it as an insult, and they meant to hurt you by it. I went to a performing arts high school, and I had friends who were like, don't go there, don't go there. And I was like, why would I not want to go there? That sounds exactly like what I want to do. Why do I want to go to, like, a math high school or a science-based high school when I can go do the thing that my heart is calling me to do. And they're like, but that's where all the gay people are. Ah. And I was like, great, sign me up. I don't care. Yeah, right? What about that sounds bad? You know? Yeah, I was like, great. I think gay people are great. Uh, I don't see what the problem is. Yeah. It's like major disco. It's amazing. Where did you Where did you grow up? What state? Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Oh wow. Okay. See, I, that's that's one of the few states that like I actually have no idea where it's at on the map because it's like it's somewhere in the middle, right? Or it's somewhere in the middle. Do you know where Illinois is? Yes, because that's so Indiana, then Illinois to the left of that, and then it's, it's. So you know where? Do you know where Lake Michigan is? Yeah. Okay, so you're up north, like sort Lake, of. Wisconsin is above like uh, above Illinois, and okay. Lake Michigan borders one whole side of gotcha. Wisconsin. I, I know where it's at now. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it looks like a hand on the map with the thumb sticking out like this. <laughs> is what it looks like. It's right above Illinois. Yeah. Um, yeah, I lived I lived an hour outside of Chicago. Nice. Nice. That's where Dina lives, by the way. Oh, right. Oh, my gosh, Dina. I haven't thought about Dina in forever. I should hit up Dina. Man, you know what we should do? Like, if You the, should hit up Dina. It would be awesome if we could do, like, because I want to do an individual episode with Dina, but also, like, if we could start doing round tables and just kind of catch the fuck up and see, you know, like, like how's everybody doing now, you know? Because it's like, we, I, I feel like we all experienced a an incredible situation that really, like, galvanized us uh as like friends you know like there was something like we got to know each other so fast and so intensely that like that it's like it kind of like sped up our you know what i mean because like even though we haven't hung out that's out much outside of like face off i feel like really like know you on a deep level you know what i mean if that makes sense yeah yeah we had a lot of time on our hands when we had free time that's true (laughs) yeah Nothing to do but like bond. Yeah. So so I would tell say tell everybody your deepest darkest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so since we're talking face off and pros and cons, I will say that's one of the best pros of face off, actually. And I guess that was born from all of the inherently terrible things that we were stripped 
uh, you know, like all the all the bad things, like it it I guess it did make us closer as people, you know. But then it's like mm-hmm. if you don't keep in touch, then it's like, you know, you never know you never know what happened. So it's like I, I f- know. I know. I mean, I keep sort of in touch. I keep an eye on things. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know, man. The last two years I've just been sort of lost in my own uh just mental journey you know it's just figuring a bunch of shit out which is good because i feel like I've, i'm clearing the way for all this new creative projects that i'm about to start well i actually have started you know so it's like i just needed to and that's yeah so like to rope the conversation back around to, to when you said that like you don't know you didn't know how to like tell people you're gay and stuff and it's like i i really like i, I want to talk about that a little bit more too because like i i have no idea because now that i know who i am Everybody I know, and I know a lot of fucking people, they don't know what I know about myself. So it's like when you when you meet someone and when you see your friends for the first time, I'm always, every single time I'm like, because I'm obviously looking different. I'm wearing fucking crop tops and fucking, you know, like the high-waisted pants and shit. And it's like, you know, there's clearly something very different about me. But it's like, so I'm like, do I just address the elephant in the room immediately and say, hey, I'm trans and I'm, I'm pansexual, you know? Or, or is it, because it's just weird, especially with people you know, because it's like you already know them. So then it's like, and like you said, if it goes too far down the line without mentioning it, then you're like, feel awkward because it wasn't mentioned before. So, But then it's like, you also don't want to base your entire identity off like, hey, I'm pansexual and trans because I'm so much more than that. But I'm just going through an, a period where like, I don't know, I feel like everybody else needs to know that. So then I could, we can all be on the same page, right? You know, it's just, it's a weird. I mean, well, there's no place like social media to tell everyone. Now everyone knows. Yeah, yeah. And that feels good, actually. You know? That really does feel good. <laughs> I mean, there was a time in my life where we didn't have, so like when I was in college, social media, we, we had MySpace, I think. Mm-hmm. But even then, like I didn't like blast it on my MySpace page. Yeah, I don't think I don't think anybody was like that open on the back of the day. Like this new internet thing, it's like I'm not gonna say that shit. You know? No, like, <laughs> no, not at all, not at all. But like now, you know that people have put their pronouns in their profiles, and this is all like new. Like I feel like these these new generations are really helping to pave a way that these older generations, this old patriarchy needs to die. And they are, they are like pounding down the doors, telling them this, your way is over. Our way is, is going to take over. Oh yeah. And we, we really are. I mean, we really are. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the, the, I get schooled on stuff by these youngsters and I'm like, I don't know. Like you know, they had to school me on pronouns and I'm like, now I got it. Yeah. I understand now. Yeah. Before I was like, wait, what is happening? Well, I, I missed something. Yeah, you know, the, I it's like I follow so many. Uh, I, the, the, what helped me figure myself out was following younger people that were like uh, non-binary and trans and stuff. And I'm like, my God, these people are just like me. They even like dress the same. They love like rainbows. They like bright neon colors, like demons. Like I'm like finding this community. I'm seeing the, you know, and I'm really good at pattern recognition. So I start seeing these things and I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I'm not that different at all. Actually, there are many people like me and it was like the most wonderful, like, uh, like free feeling, but also it's like, yeah, it, it, like that, that's what helped me like learn the terminology because like, you know, when I grew up in the Midwest and trying to like, literally, like I spent all my, like a lot of my time in Goodwills and stuff, like buying, buying clothes. And I would always shop in the women's section. I would always buy women's clothes. And everybody's like, you know, those women's clothes, right? And I'm like, 
I fucking know it's women's clothes, man. Like, I yes, I yes, I know, I know it's what. And then it's like you're gonna look like a woman. Yes, I know, I know, and that's the fucking point, you know. And it's just like, but it's like, is people trying to understand that in the Midwest and also like my town in particular has direct like mm-hmm. the KKK used to parade down Main Street in my hometown on a regular basis. Oh God! Like oh, yeah, God. yeah. So like my town is directly a hotbed. For like KKK, it was was a hot. So I'm trying to grow up in like early 2000s and try to find myself as a trans person in nightmare Midwest like Bible Belt KKK land, you know. And it's just like imagine like that. Like it was literally like a like I didn't know that like being called a faggot is like technically considered like a hate crime, you know? Like I like yeah, I didn't know it. I, that was everyday life for me. I couldn't go into us. I'd go to Walmart every time. Like, it was literally, like, there was always, like, a group of men or one, like, would all, like, college frat bros and shit. Just, like, fucking queer faggot. Like, it was, like, every fucking day of my life, man. And I thought that was normal. I really did. Because that's all I knew about the world. Oh, God. I mean, I never had that happen to me. So I don't know. I don't know that experience. Yeah. um, Being called that every day. I mean, when I was finding out who I was and my theater teacher, who was a gay man, was like, he he called me, he called me a little dyke. And I was like, what? (laughs) What does he know about me that I don't know? (laughs) But he like, he called me on it. And I was like, he meant it in a joking, loving sort of way and not in a. I hate you because you're different sort of way. Right. You know? Yeah. Because I'm curious because Randy and I were having a discussion. Uh, what The term like dyke, is it is it uh, is that offensive these days or is it like a, has it been reclaimed? Because I've seen people use it as both, but I, I just want to know, you know, because there's a lot to, to know. Oh, about it's these. definitely every any, every phrase that has been used to um, verbally assault us and abuse us, of course, has been reclaimed by us. Yeah. I mean, we there's ba- there's baby dyke. There's Butch Dykes, you know what I mean? There's yeah. When we have the gate, when we have the Pride Parade, they are led out by the Dykes on bikes. Oh, amazing! I love it. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah, because see, I've, this yeah. is also something new. Like, I have a unique perspective, and that's why I talk so much about it. Because like, I don't, I don't know a lot of people that have followed my life path, and like, coming to terms with my trauma makes me want to share my story so that it helps other people. You know, and some people to the, it looks to some people like, oh, you're just all about just talking about trans shit and stuff now, and it's like. Well, for now, yeah, because also, like, I'm also, now that I realize I'm a part of a community, I'm also that community's problems, too. So I actually am very, like, aware, and I try to do my best to help. Like, I, the, the last two years, I've been, like, basically, like, getting a PhD in human suffering. You know, like, when the Black Lives Movement was happening, uh, I did all of these, like, revolution radio episodes where I would, like, interview people of color and just ask them about their uh, instances of racism and stuff, you know, and I would watch black history documentaries. And then then from that, uh, people started contacting me from indigenous communities and saying, hey, could could I do an interview with you? Because like, there's all these issues that Native Americans face, and I would like to talk about that. So then I started learning about that. And now like, I'm learning about the intersectionality of oppression. And that's something that we need to start focusing on. Because like, oh, yeah, most definitely. Yeah, because right now, like, as as I become part of the LGBTQA community that I that I always have been, but now like I'm mentally here, you know, um, I it's just it, everything feels so divided, and there's so much like 
well, I, in this, again, I'm speaking from my perspective, and that's like, and that's what I always want to address because I, I can't speak for the entire community. I can't speak for like pockets of the community. I'm just speaking for like my perspective, you know? And I've been out here in LA adjacent to like the LA drag scene and things like that. And it's like, I just never really felt like I found a place where I fit in on that, you know? So I've always kind of, I feel like an outsider within the community. And I feel like, I like, give me your thoughts on this. I think we need a better acronym. It, even if, it, if it's got to be the same letters, we should at least rearrange them where it's something easier to say than LGBTQQA, right? I mean, like, that alone could well, go towards letter, Letters keep getting added. Yeah. You know? uh -huh. it, was just, it, it was just LGBT yeah. in the beginning. And then we, we just keep adding the, the letters onto it. And, and I mean, and the, our rainbow keeps changing because we realize that we have so many more people to include and sexuality is changing and the way we define sexuality keeps changing. I mean, I feel like, yeah, we just have to, we have, we have to learn how to keep including everybody mm -hmm. in what we stand for and who we are as a community. Yeah. I'd... And absolutely, like the black trans women specifically are the ones that are the most at risk mm -hmm. and we need to protect them and we need to give them money. We need to do more mutual aid. I can't even tell you how many, like every time I see a call for mutual aid, I just, I'm like, yeah, I can put what's, I mean, $5 is going to make a whole hell of a lot of difference. And if I just keep giving everybody five bucks, 10 bucks, 20, whatever you have. Right. Mm -hmm. All right. Can you still buy coffee later? Great. Give what you can if you can still live comfortably later. And like learning to have that mentality about it. Like who cares what they do with the money? We owe it to them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, like in studying, uh, you know, black, his, uh, black history in America, you, you run into the concept that's not discussed, obviously, by the mainstream, but generational wealth. So all mm -hmm. of these white families literally built fortunes upon the backs, literal backs of black people, you know, and the Native Americans, indigenous, like they, they took over and they extracted value from Amer the Americas, you know, that they mm -hmm. now continue, they passed it through their families to where their descendants don't even have to work a day in their lives. So that money is still like was pulled from and made from the, like the backs of slave, slave labor, you know. Uh, and now they're they're still wealthy, but then now the black communities and like marginalized communities are completely kneecapped because their families didn't start with wealth, so there was no accruement. And also, if you look through history, it's it's always been so much harder for people of color to own homes, to to like you know get loans, like all of the, there's been roadblocks every fucking step of the way for people of color. And it's like these are things that we just have to start acknowledging and say like these exist, you know, and like. Then when you're like also a person of color and you're trans, there's the intersectionality at play where you're discriminated against multiple angles. You know what I mean? So I, yes, I, yes. I and I've, I've recently seen like someone commented, I hate it when people use uh, blackface and the struggles of black people. Like, oh, I hate it when the LGBT community uses uh, blackface and the struggles of black people to like prove their point. And I was like, well, I understand what you're saying. And, and like, it's very true that each group of people has a very specific set of problems distinct to their culture. 
Um, but we shouldn't be overlooking the intersectionality of oppression because therein lies the thread of unity that we could all come together because if we're all fighting the system in different ways or the system is oppressing us, then we have a common enemy against the system. You know what I mean? So rather than like us in fight, we should say, you know what? It's not, it's not my fault or your fault. It's the system's fault. So then we all direct our collective ire at the system and that's how change happens. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, yeah these are these are the things it's that exhausting, i you know. though i've spent more time at home than i ever have before because of this whole pandemic situation mm-hmm. and i feel like i have i have learned more during that time and and have been barred by all of these fights and all of these struggles like they all are are just coming to the bubbling to the surface absolutely and and it's 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 not it's not going to end anytime soon we are just going to keep bubbling to the surface Mm -hmm. until we are the surface yeah absolutely yeah the the old the old skexy the old white skexies on the top that's running the show and sucking the earth dry like they're they're fucking they're it's they're they're freaking out right now because they know that it's like oh shit like people are waking up on a mass scale and here's the thing with oppression is it's adaptive because like basically you know slavery turned into jim crow which then turned into the modern uh prison system which is you know for-profit prisons is modern slavery you know oppression just adapts and we have to adapt to fight oppression constantly like we can't be comfortable Mm -hmm. we can't say oh it's fine it's it's like everybody's got a voice everybody's got to use the voice and everybody has got even if it's just as simple as you're saying something you're you're standing and saying that is so powerful because you are making a declaration that you see the problem you know the problem is is that nobody's seeing the problem right now and the problem is is that there is a whole group the the military industrial corporate big tech monopoly you know oligarch is like it's a machine set up to hide the truth from people and make you feel worthless make you feel divided and distracted so that they can keep selling you shit you know I mean, it's, it works, too. Yeah, oh, it really does work. Yeah. I bought so much needless shit off of Instagram ads. And I'm like, why did I, why do I keep buying this shit? Yeah. And, it, you know, it's, we, like, if you, I've started reading privacy policies of, like, all the apps I use. And they all say that they actually talk to each other. And they, they form, uh, they actually take all the decisions that you make, your likes, your interests, all the messages that you see. And they, uh morph that into a profile about you and then they can they can better market things to you that's their reasoning but they also say they do a bunch of other shit that they're very vague about with it and like what do you think they're doing with that stuff so imagine having like a profile about everyone's choices like practically on the planet like we'll just say america you know it's like everybody is making these decisions into their phones and then like they're just logging it all so then they can easily like manipulate reality because they know what people are gonna do because they they just keep showing them you know yeah 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 i mean and that's how you keep that's how you keep these echo chambers going because you just keep putting the information that you know that that you are interested in hearing I'm just going to send you that information because I know that you're interested in hearing it. Tell me about it, friend. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. Yeah. These are all the issues like on top of just trying to get someone to be like, hey, you know what? I'm a man and a woman and I would like have sex with man, woman or anything. You know, it's basically as simple Mm -hmm. as that. That's who I am. You know, it's not who I am to every person, but that's just like who I am. But then it's like people can't even like 
just take that simple statement and be like, cool, all right, I see no difference in you. Let's get on to like bigger things. Like that is a huge kneecap right off the gates that like people can't even see me as real. So then like the, it makes the rest of my existence incredibly exhausting because I just got to prove that I even exist in the first place, you know? I mean, it's the way that we are programmed since childhood, since we're brought up. Like it's the way that we're pro- it's even the way that some languages are designed. Right. I was just thinking about this yesterday when I was driving and I saw somebody running down the street. They had long hair and a ponytail and short running shorts on and uh, but a big barrel chest. And I said, and in my brain, I, I went, is that a man or a woman? And then I was like, holy shit, why does it fucking matter? Who cares? It's a fucking person running down the goddamn street. Why are you thinking that? And I'm like, this has been ingrained in me. Since I, and I kept having these thoughts, like I would, I was looking at, I was bored scrolling through Instagram and a group of people were dancing and I was like, is that a man or I said, my brain did it again. Is that a man or a woman? I was like, what the fuck? Who cares? Yeah. Why are you thinking this? And like, it's a, it's a process of you, of deprogramming yourself, Absolutely. which is really hard. And to ask somebody else to deprogram the way they have been since they were a child is is it's a it's it's a huge ask right and because they people don't want to change they don't want to be forced to change yeah i mean everybody rebels against change in some way or another because change is scary change is hard yeah i like what i'm comfortable with you know and to to change makes me uncomfortable but I mean, that thought pattern to me was so fucking disturbing to me that like I was ashamed of myself. And I was like, no, this is what society has programmed into you. This is not your fault. And recognizing that you do this is the first step of not doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. I- and um, and I think that's all we're trying to ask people is like, hey, you know, you were programmed to think this way. And as a society... You know, we can do better. We can train ourselves to think differently. We can program our children to not behave this way. Yeah. And to ha- and to have a, a better society that is more inclusive to everybody. Absolutely. And it starts exactly with what you just said, which I'm so proud of you for. It's like, even like, even as like queer people, it's like, even yeah, I my I caught myself my brain doing the exact same thing, and that was a behavior I had to unlearn. Because when you see a person, your first thought shouldn't immediately your brain shouldn't be trying to reckon whether they're a man or a woman, because then you are literally trying to project a reality upon this person that you don't know. You know, so so I actually I feel like the standard like because I do a lot of thinking. How can we fix this? And to me, I think that the standard pronoun should be they. Because they actually makes mm-hmm. no assumptions either way. It's all inclusive. And if you don't know, then if you just immediately go to they right off the bat, then that's respectful to everyone. You know what I mean? So it's exactly, like, exactly. And, and it's like as our culture changes and there's clearly a third gender emerging, you know, like we should be existing in the liminal space to allow people to exist. Yes, yes. I just, my union, they had a pride committee meeting today that I skipped and I, I my anxiety was ramping up and I was like I can't do a zoom meeting right now I can't yeah I, so I skipped it but I read the notes and there was this whole notes on gender um, on pronouns and gender identity and 
and it literally said what you just said, which I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, everybody needs to read this. Where if you do, like, if you don't know, if you are unsure, use they them, and you won't offend anyone. Absolutely. And then you know, and and then you can ask at, when you're when you feel more comfortable, you can ask what are your pronouns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I asked a background. I asked a background actor just the other day what their pronouns were because he was like, I don't do that. I'm he, him, whatever. I don't do that. I was like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure, you know? Yeah. And I so I just want, I wanted to respect you. So I wanted to ask. And he was like, oh, it's cool. It was, it's whatever. <laughs> but yeah. I worked on another set where everyone informed me and th- and this is what our, the thing about the union is if you don't it's it's our responsibilities to let other other people know like hey that this actor goes by they them or he him mm-hmm. and it's very important to them so mm-hmm. please do that yep and that was told to me on day one because they asked me to cover this actor that day and they're like they, this is and th- this is their name and this is and these are their pronouns and mm-hmm. i was like okay cool got it no problem and then when I introduced myself to that actor, he did the same thing. He was like, hi, my name is, and my pronouns are he, him. And I was like, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and making that part of normal conversation, which is, like I said, change is hard. People are, people are going to have things to say about it because they, they don't like to change. Yeah. But, you but know, the more we normalize it, absolutely, the more our friends who might not be part of our community normalize it, the better off we'll all be. I mean, the more that everyone's going to start doing it, yeah. the better off we'll all be. And it will become normal. Yeah. It'll become as normal as saying, hey, I'm gay. Yeah, you know, a big part of it, like, you know, trans people can't be the only, or queer people, you know, well, I guess we're specifically talking trans here. They can't be the only advocates for themselves, you know? It's like, because that's no. why we are exhausted. Is because the world, the heteronormative world already doesn't, uh, acknowledge our existence so to, to for us to just constantly be like hey and then everybody shits on us because they're like all you do is talk about the struggles of being trans and i'm like i stopped talking about the fucking struggle if i didn't have to struggle you know like so it's like if people would change i could shut the fuck up you know <laughs> like it's like exactly like, exactly yeah and 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 i know like i have this um, it, like once I put the puzzle together and I'm like, my God, I'm trans. My God, it feels so good. It makes so much sense, you know? Like, when I'm, like, ready to tell the world. Like, I, I have, because, like, I spent, you know, literally 32 years of my life thinking I was just, like, a cis, straight male, you know? But, like, that so wasn't the case. And it was, like, I people's, like, perceptions in the world that was so, like, the binary and everything, it made me, it forced me to choose a side, you know, and so then I became half of who I was. So now, when people, like, I, at first, when I, you know, there's so much to unpack when you're, like, realizing you're trans and all this stuff, Uh, the the pronoun issue at first, I was like, man, I don't know about the fucking, the pronouns, I think it causes more trouble than it's worth, you know, like, that was actually my opinion on it at first, you know, but actually, the more I, I got into it, the more I realize that when people say, um, when people call me they, or they refer to me as they, it, 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 it feels so good because for it, it, it lets me know that they see me for who I truly am. They see all parts exactly. of me. Yes, and that's important. It's important to feel seen. It's important to be recognized for who you are. 
And I don't think people understand how much it hurts a transgendered person to be called the wrong pronouns. Yeah. Well, here's the, yeah, because there's a couple po topics that are going on here because a lot of people get real touchy about, they feel like they're walking on thin ice around trans people. And it's like, oh my God, if I misgender them, then it's like the worst thing ever and stuff. And it's like, so the, the, yeah, it's like if you, making the effort is the, is the entire thing. You know what I mean? Like if you say he and then you're like, oh, I mean, or she, you know, like if you, as long as you make an effort, like trans people see that and it's like, we get it because like, I get it because when I go out and I exist, you know, I present as like it, I'm wearing a dress, you know, and I've I like I've shaved my face and stuff, you know, it's like uh, I'm a transient person. And I don't always reflect like the same gender. So I realize that's confusing to people, you know, because like I'm not like I, I, I say I'm like gender full. So I, I, I feel like I, I'm both like max and it just depends on what I want to show at the time. So I don't expect anyone to like try to call me a he or a she whenever because I know like I'm going out like I exist in this. I'm like the intersex space, you know, I like I'm not trying to be a man or a woman. I, I, I'm, you know, trans, you know, I'm somewhere like in the intersex area. So I, I, another issue I think I'm realizing is that it's it's easy for people to assume that someone's a man. It's easy for someone to assume that someone's a woman, but it is impossible for anyone to assume that anyone's trans because that's not even acknowledged as an option, a legitimate option. You know what I mean? Societally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, it goes back to our programming, how we're programmed. Yeah, absolutely. Programmed to think that way. I, I I want to, I don't know if you've seen this this uh, profile on Instagram. It's Boss Baby Brody. No. He's a dance, it's a little dancer. He's a little dancer and he wears dresses and, or not, he has long hair. He likes glitter and rainbows, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And he's, I mean, he has a huge, huge following because he's so fabulous. And his mom gets a shit ton of hate male like of trolls commenting about you shouldn't raise your child that way blah 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 and it's like it's disheartening to see those those comments like it hurt it's it's disheartening but it's also very encouraging to see parents doing it the right way like letting their child express who they are the way they want to express it you're not making him gay you're not making him trans you're not making your child into anything you're just letting your child be who they are and they can figure it out when they want to you know they're going to figure out who they are as, as you grow up you figure out who you are you figure out what you like you figure out what you don't like but like she's not programming her kid to believe that he's not allowed to like dresses and rainbows or to dance or ballet he loves ballet yeah you know like yeah. she's telling him you can be whatever you want to be and it doesn't matter and we love you anyway and do you kid shine be happy yeah and he's amazing that makes you so oh, happy that's awesome so cute and has so much love worldwide like everybody i just feel like these parents are doing the right thing you know absolutely because we're not we're not trying when you raise a kid you're not trying to raise a clone of you because the time in which you existed doesn't exist anymore <laughs> you're you're yeah. you're the, what you should be doing as a parent is just gu guiding someone into the protecting them from the bad parts while you allow them to figure out what they do want out of this life you know it's like it's it's quite simple but again it's a societal thing that we have to indoctrinate our kids to be just like us to to 
do the same job as we did, to be little worker bee drones, to shut the fuck up and just consume, you know? It's just like, don't question yeah, it th- anything. Don't think for yourself. Just like, it's just, you know, the world is di- divided and it's binary, you know? It's just like, all, but it's all, all that stuff's crumbling because like I follow so many young kids and it's like, I realize that, our generation, we're like the vanguard against the old paradigm for these new kids coming up. So the things that we do, mm-hmm. how visible we are right now, we're paving, we're literally paving the way so that these kids don't have to go through the shit that we went through. The confusing, Absolutely. like all, all that the shit show that like it is that that we went through. We can right now, we can be the generation that says no more to that shit. You know. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like non non-binary wasn't an option. Like it wasn't a thing I knew that I could be when I was a kid. And now I have, you know, I know like five people who identify as non-binary. And in the beginning, I was like, I don't know what this is. I don't understand. And then I was like, oh, they don't identify as male or female. I get it. I get it. Because yeah. I felt, you know, I felt that way at times, you know, I felt like I I, I was in the Goodwill buying clothes from the boys section, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I felt that way for a while. I was like, oh, so I can understand this. And um, I was trying to, this is very, very, very interesting. My ex is going through a transition that I got to witness firsthand. And you know somebody for so long as one person. I mean, it all makes sense to me now. I'm like, this is exactly who you, who you were the whole time. Yeah. You just... You just didn't know it yet. Because in the beginning, they didn't understand trans people at all. They didn't understand why Why would you have surgery? Why would you do that? And, I would, and I'd be like, I'd sit them down and I'd be like, don't you understand what it's like not to feel at home in your own body? To, to look at yourself and go, I don't look like who I feel like. Like, I don't look like how I feel inside. You don't get that? I, I have all sorts of body dysmorphia that I'm like, I look in the mirror and, you know, I'm, I'm always like, God, I'm so fat, I'm so fat. And I don't feel like that. So it's all like when I put on pants that don't fit, I'm like, what the fuck? I feel like I feel like I fit into these pants. What the fuck? So watching them go through this process has been really eye-opening and amazing. And like, I didn't know what trans euphoria was until I saw it experienced firsthand. And I was like, wow. Oh yeah, wow. To see somebody be who they always were is kind of amazing. And uh, to not support somebody through that journey is just shitty, man. That's just shitty because just the, the, the joy and the euphoria is fucking magical to watch. It's like a child, like, experiencing their favorite thing for the first time, you know? Yeah. I, I can speak I know you firsthand. Know. I, yeah, I can literally, like, I'm getting emotional just thinking about it because I can speak firsthand from this indescribable feeling I didn't know existed until I, you know, experienced it. And then after that, that's when I found, like, I was seeking out trans community and, so, and I, I've learned of the concept of euphoria. And it is so true because what it really is is seeing yourself again you know like actually Mm -hmm. seeing yourself and and what i want to instill to people and because when i was trying to figure this out too like i didn't have any nobody was really talking to me you know none of my my uh queer friends you know everybody's it's been a tough time so i understand everybody's like dealing with their own shit so it's like i don't expect anybody to 
deal with my shit. But that allowed me, that was like kind of forced me to figure it out on my own, which is kind of good in the end. Uh, but yeah, it's like, I, I would just encourage anybody because uh, again, something with society that we're programmed is that we're, we're fixed, you know, we're, we're not, the, what makes coming out so hard and like realizing one's trans and like making that thing is that the world hasn't allowed people to be viewed in a, in a place of like transience or change because we hold people to the ideas of who we think they are. And then, then people don't, then it becomes incredibly hard for those people to get out of our idea of them. And that's what I'm experiencing now is like, I like, there are a lot of, like, I'm so grateful for the fans and the community that I've, I have been able to develop through my lifetime, you know, but it's also incredibly hard when, you know, it's hard for someone that's not like moderately internet famous to like you know transition or find themselves with just their family and their close friends group like i'm doing all that and also like trying to explain myself to a group of people that like don't actually even know me they're they know me from a tv show you know they know a limited idea of who i am it, it's tough but me opening up about this is i do it because i realized that, that i could not find anybody that was like me and until I opened up about who I was, and now I see people like me all the time, and it's the most incredible feeling. Mm -hmm. And and then I, I I experience these people's stories, and I talk to them, and I'm like, wow, okay, my, like it's helping me make sense of my own life. And if I can do that, if I can live my truth and help other people make sense of themselves, then like fucking a man, like mission accomplished. I'm happy, you know, I'm fulfilled. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I want to I want to encourage anybody who's listening to this to read a book called The Four Agreements mm -hmm. because it, it talks a lot about how you are like conditioned to believe certain things about yourself from being a child and and it affects every facet of your life. It affects the kind of relationships you have with other people, you know, the friendships that you have, like the relationship with your parents. It, it affects how you how you behave at work, how your relationship to work, how you think about work, how you think about just life in general. Like it affects everything. Like and it's it's the four agreements. Is a, I mean I feel like I have to pick it up and reread it whenever I have like a major thing happening in my life just to remind myself like this feeling that I'm having about this is programmed into me and it's not who I am. I have to unprogram this so that I can get to the bottom of who I really am. Mm -hmm. And I, I highly recommend it. It's like literally it sits on the top of my bookshelf and I, I buy it for everyone. And oh, that's awesome. It's, uh, it looks like this. Hell yeah. What does it say? A practical guide to personal freedom, basically. That's excellent. A book of wisdom. That's excellent. And I mean, I think it it will help people manifest and live the lives they truly want to live because they, they will unblock themselves just by deprogramming the way they think. Yeah. And also, it, and that's what we got to do as a society is deprogram the way we think. Absolutely. And here's something we were talking about how like the young t kids are teaching us, you know, it's like because these concepts and terms didn't exist when we were younger. So we had like a fucking shit show of a time trying to figure. I couldn't find I couldn't know what I was because nothing like me exists. Trans people, get, give me a break. The first gay person I saw was on uh, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. 
or queer eyes for that was my first mm-hmm. introduction to gay people and even knowing that they existed you know uh and then like mm-hmm. trans people forget about it i didn't even realize trans people were a thing until actually kind of just recent like it, it's weird it's like it, they've li- there's actually a concerted effort to like sort of erase people from trans history because they challenge the binary narrative which the patriarchal institutions are built upon you know that's why it's so that's why they don't yeah. want people realizing that trans people are way more common than you think they are and it, They've always been here, but we've always had to like pick a side and hide and to to literally fit into the binary matrix, you know. For the viewers and like for like, because this is the most powerful thing that I learned too, and it's so simple because there was a lot of confusion. I was like, "What is trans? Am I trans? What is?" So I look it up, and the term trans is the umbrella term, and what it means is that if you identify as anything other than what is on your birth certificate, then you are trans. It's as simple as that. And I'm realizing a lot of people, even within the queer community, don't have like it's a new concept that people because language is always shifting. It's all because to me, what trans was to me was you had to get surgery and you had to um, take hormones and things. And don't get me wrong. I always want to be very vocal when I mention this is that that's a very valid path of being trans. There's nothing wrong with that. It is each. It's up to the individual to decide how they pursue their own uh, projection of who they are, right? So there's nothing wrong with that. But the problem was is that people thought that was that's what being trans was. But there are actually many paths to being trans that don't that aren't just that one. So that's a note that I would like to that the listeners to know because when I learned that, that's when things changed for me. I was like, now this is starting to make sense, you know? Yeah, I mean, I guess in in a sense, I mean, maybe. Maybe I am too then because I, I identify, I don't like, I'm not, I don't always identify as female. Like, I don't know. I don't feel like a woman sometimes, you know, I don't, I don't let my genitalia dictate how I present. (laughs) I present how I feel that day. How do I feel today? Okay. Today I feel like, you know, dressing up in a suit today. I feel like wearing a dress and I really, I go all, I was mistaken for um, a boy when I was younger because I wanted short hair. I had short hair and a rat tail. Yes, rat really tails, yes! And I love the, rat tails. <laughs> and the, and the, the cross, it was, I was in elementary school and the crossing guard was trying to give me some life advice. And she said to me, you got to clear up that acne or you'll never get a girlfriend. And I was like, what is she saying to me right now? I was like, okay, cool. I think she just thought I was a boy. That's cool. I guess that's how I look. That's how I'm presenting today. <laughs> I totally do. Yeah. But it's stupid to think that only boys have short hair and only boys wear these certain types of clothes. And that's like assigned. These clothes are assigned to boys and these clothes are assigned to girls. It's just like when you have, it's like this fucking, these gender reveal parties and Ah! what colors you dress your children in when you buy baby clothes. Like it fucking drives me insane. Oh my God. I'm like. Preach, dude. I'm like. If you have a child and you are a friend of mine, I'm going to buy your baby clothes of the rainbow because. Absolutely. You should not be dressing your child a gender assigned color that is that is stupid. That is not how we should be. Oh, I, you're, it's like you're literally dressing your young child in your own expectations, you know? Yeah, of who they're going to be. Let them, let them decide. I know it's hard, like, from infant to certain toddler age to decide how to dress your child, right? So you 
get the little girls the dresses and you get the little boys the cute little pantsuits. Okay, fine. But, you know, at a certain point, they're going to want to start picking out their own clothes and they're going to want to dress the way they want to dress. And you got to let them do it. I, I, <laughs> I went, I have friends who live in Albany who have young children and I went up there for Thanksgiving and I was trying to help her find an outfit for Thanksgiving. I was like, okay, Olive, let's look, let's look through your closet. What do you want to wear? I'm picking out the most ridiculous outfits that I was like, are you serious, Olive? That's what you want to wear to Thanksgiving dinner? Okay. Okay. That's what you're wearing, I guess. I was like, but I think you're going to be cold. I think you need to wear more layers. Let's put some more layers. It was like a leopard print dress. And then she wanted to put on some pink tights with it. And I was like, child, you're fun. <laughs> that's right. You know, and what Kate, are you going to say? Yeah. And it, the she thing is. She felt great. She loved her outfit. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And you know what the thing is, is that kids see the magic. You know, they just come from the spirit realm. Everything is magical and colorful to them and stuff. And then it's like, what happens to that? Is that the world says, no, you can't. You're stupid. Why are you doing that? No, you can't. No, you can't. Ever be like everybody else. No, you can't. Conform, conform. You know, and then we're like, we're, the magic is literally beat out of us as children. That's that's what happened to me. That's why mm-hmm. I became like a severe alcoholic because the world beat the magic out of me, and I was like, I would just existed as like a shell of a person, which was like sig neutron, which is, it's 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 like so artistically almost poetic when I look back at like how everything played out. You know, it's like because like. Also, just knowing, learning that, like, I'm autistic and learning about masking and learning about, like, I literally became, I got into an industry to create masks for people. You know what I mean? So it's like, it, it's just, yeah. it, it's like my whole life just finally makes sense. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right. Now it's, now it's time to, like, order all of that information and then try to share it with people in a way that, like, can help uh, people. Because, like, I'm realizing that there's so much about the world that we don't talk about because we're ashamed or we're embarrassed or we're afraid. And it's like, these are the things that we need to talk about because that's where that's what actually makes us human. We're all trying to connect on with, like, facades of who we truly are. So then society becomes really empty. And then the members of society feel really isolated and alone because nobody's being real with anyone, you know? And it's like, who wants to live in that world? I don't. I don't. Yeah. I like this new world where everyone gets to be who they are and how dare you tell me otherwise. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's like, and that's the thing. It's like where I'm at now, I'm finally at the point. It's like, I didn't ask your fucking opinion. <laughs> you know, like, I like Don't come at me. Bro. Like exactly. literally people coming at me is telling me they know that I'm a man. They know I was meant to be a man. And it's, I'm like, bro, I didn't fucking ask you because like the reason why I'm sharing yeah. who I am with the, the world is I said for a fucking reason that I'm existing within my truth right now, you know? And it's like, you can't fucking take that away from me like the whole fucking world has always tried to do. You know, it's like, I'm stronger now and I'm not going to let that happen. I'm not I'm not going to let the world convince me I'm something I'm not. And that's what I've done for 32 years. Well, I'm proud of you. Well, I'm proud of you too. And I'm really like... Oh, thank you. I, I really got to say, like, I'm... I'm really grateful we're having this conversation, you know, because like I actually haven't been able to have too many conversations like this with people, and I this is really like healing and helpful for me. So I really appreciate you. Yeah, no problem. Do you want a copy of this book? I would love a copy of that book. Yeah. <laughs> okay, like, I'm gonna send it to you. Right on. I, everyone should read it. It's like basically saying, like, do I really believe this or? Did somebody tell me I have to believe this? Somebody tell me this is what I 
this is what I have to believe. And then digging deeper and going, no, I don't believe that. So why, why do I think that? Yeah. Oh, because I was told that was the way things were. But I don't really believe that. That's not my truth. It just became convenient to believe that. And it's doing that, that with every aspect of, of your life, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I think, like, after Face Off, I was really suffering from, like, that, what is that called? Where imposter syndrome, right? Where I was like, I felt like a fucking fraud. I was like, I didn't believe in anything that I did. I didn't believe that I belonged there. And I mean, imposter syndrome is, oh God, anxiety inducing. It is real. And I felt, I feel like, I feel like I still battle with it sometimes where I'm like, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be here in my life. Like I'm lucky that I'm here and now I have to hide. Because if what if they find out the truth? What if they find out that I'm a fraud? Mm-hmm. That I can't really do all the things that I say I can do. But I can do them. Absolutely. I've seen myself. They have proof. That's right. Why do I feel this way about myself? I mean, telling you that show really fucked me up. Yeah. No, This. I'm glad that we're circling back to that, too. Because so we talked about season one, uh, which was traumatic enough, you know, like uh, to go there and like, first of all, the nature of just going and competing against other people is inherently stressful. And I don't like it. I don't, I really don't like, I mean, here's the thing. I do like competition, but also like something about the face-off guy, I I didn't like it, especially going back the second time, because we, at that point, there was this long stretch of time where we all got to know each other before we went back. So then we all went back as not as strangers, which is, it's almost easier to compete against someone you don't really know. We went back as like friends. And then every time somebody went home, it was soul crushing because that, because like, I know I wouldn't have wanted to go home and like nobody wanted to go home. And those are my friends going home, you know? So it's like, I think I cried like every fucking elimination like the second season. And it was just like, and then you just had to pick up the next day like nothing fucking happened. And then just like, like nothing you know? happened. Yeah. Okay, time to compete again. Yeah, uh-huh. right. And it's just like. And, and, and at the end of the day, it was never about $100,000 for me ever. Yeah. Like it was never about the money for me. Would it be nice? Sure. But I never believed that I was gonna win it. Yeah. Not for a second. Yeah, I you know, I I didn't really it's weird because like I have the unique experience of like losing once and then winning a second time. And it and it might be hard for people to understand, but like uh going back the second time actually severely impacted my mental health because when I got back uh, there were other reasons too, like the passing away of my friend John Schnepp, and so there was a lot of factors that were contributing to my deteriorating mental state. But yeah, after the second time, even winning, it it changed me, and I was I was a real broken person coming back from that the second time around. You know, oh, just I, the second time is what broke me. Yeah, so uh, the second time broke me, and I that's when I was like, my life was ruined after that. Like I don't know what happened to me. I wasn't myself. I. I was severely depressed. Like I didn't want to tell anybody that I was home. I was embarrassed to be home so soon. Nobody expected me to. And I needed to work, but I didn't want to tell anyone that I was home because then they would know. (laughs) So I couldn't even work. Yeah. And it was just like the most humiliating experience of my life. I can't even, I, to this day, I haven't been able to watch the season. I can't do it. Yeah. I cannot do it. Yeah. 
And like, and that's like my marriage fell apart at that time. Like everything just like fucking fell apart because of like who I became. I had a friend tell me, like we were doing a makeup together and she was telling me that like how I was behaving while we were doing the makeup. And I was like, not even cognizant that I was doing it. And I was like, who the fuck am I? What is happening to me? This is crazy. Like I was so hell bent on proving myself as an artist, proving it to myself. Mm -hmm. Like this is like the first time I've said this out loud too. Mm -hmm. I was so hell bent on proving to myself that I was worthy and that I was good and that I deserved to be doing what I'm doing, that I was just becoming a fucking monster trying to prove it. And I didn't have to prove it to the people I work with. I didn't have to prove it to anyone. They were working with me already. Like we're doing, hi, we're doing this job together, and um, like it, ru- I, like it ruined friendships for me. It ruined my relationship with my partner, and yeah. So I had to like, I had to do some serious soul searching. Yeah. After that, to to like figure out my shit. I mean, I I'm a better person for it all now, mm-hmm. but. It was some rough times. These last four years, I had some rough times. Yeah. I think what I'm learning too is just acknowledging things out loud sometimes is a powerful release. And and as you've like mm-hmm. stated, you know, it's like you're clearly holding on to a lot of trauma from from that time. And I, I've done a lot of work to like release that. And I think that you just like sharing that with me was a powerful release for you. And I think that that's going to like, Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, you know what Joni Mitchell says, laughing and crying. It's the same release. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's a powerful thing. And I I really like, I I just want to thank you for like really sharing that. That's, that was really like deep and like, you know? Yeah, no, of course. And I mean, I don't think people realize that like, the emotional toll that any of this takes on a person or that it could screw you up so badly. Yeah. Because all people want to talk about was that you were on that show and they're just so excited about that. They don't even realize that you all this other shit went down and how it screwed you up as a person. Yeah. They just want to talk about the cool stuff you were doing. They're like, you got to make monsters on TV, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, but also like those moms, like that's the other thing is like people don't look at us as people. They look at us as characters on TV and then who are subject to just like abusive critiques. And, you know, it's like back during face off times, like people didn't say nice. I mean, there were people that said nice things, but also there were tons of people that said shitty things about all of us. You know, it's like we literally we put ourselves on a public stage and like none of us asked to be made fun of. Like we went there as artists, you know. Like I remember, like season one, I got so much shit, and people were like making fun of me for my name and the hats that I wore and stuff. And it's just like I didn't ask for any of that. I went on a show to like try to like prove my artistic worth, and you know. And it's like I, I didn't go there to be shit on, you know. And it's I didn't go there to shit on anybody, you know. So that's why it's like the the nature of competition is is tough for me sometimes but when it comes to art like if we're talking video games or something i'll get competitive as fuck like you want to throw down on some overwatch or smash brothers or something like let's fucking go you know i will destroy you you know like that that's my fun playful competitive nature but when it comes to art i don't believe that there is a comparison in art because just the mere act of creation in itself by itself is so fucking profoundly beautiful 
that there is no comparison between anything that is created because it's all amazing, you know? And it's like, I, it's, that's the world I exist in. And not a lot of people are there yet because they're like, well, you know, it's good. there's got to be some standard of what's good. And that's, and I'm like, I don't know. I just don't think there has to be. I've just, I like existing within all and I like experiencing it. And I like, you know, just being aware and being a part of it, you know, with just humble gratitude. Yeah. That's what I think. <laughs> so, okay, so let's uh, let's sort of wrap the conversation back into, like, because I'm interested to know, like, what have you been up to since the last time of Face Off? And, like, how have you been, like, managing the pandemic, I think, is, like, just a good thing to know about everybody. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I've been working. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, owned, I owned a business that I just sold this in June. Uh, I owned a pack and ship store um, that we we opened in 2016, and that's always on, that was always on the back burner for me. No matter what I was doing, I still had this store that I had to kind of like manage and run. And then I joined the union, the IOTC, which is the International Stage and Theater Alliance. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can't. It's an it's an acronym. I'm yeah. just, I was trying to say it, but then I <laughs> fucked it up. Sorry, guys. Um, International Alliance of Stage and Theater. There we go. Ah. For um, makeup artists and hairstylists. And I joined that so that I could continue to work on the stuff that I really wanted to work on, which is like not indie projects, not like student films, not not the one-off commercial here and there. Mm -hmm. But like I can finally work in the real film and television world. Yeah. So I joined in 2017 and... Like stuff, it just really picked up for me, and I've been working a lot since then. Everybody in my industry and everybody in the world, I lost every single job I had on March 13th of last year mm-hmm. and didn't know what I was going to do. But luckily, I had this business, this pack and ship store, which was deemed an essential business. Nice. Which means we weren't forced to close. Oh, that's excellent. We could actually stay open nice. and serve people. Because shipping was our receiving packages was our lifeline during this pandemic. Nice. It's how we got our like. It's how we got our groceries. It's how we got our goods. It's how we were managed to stay safe and somewhat sane. Was the fact that we could order things online and have them delivered to us. So that that kept me afloat. I didn't have to worry about how am I going to live because how am I going to pay my bills because I own the store. That's how I paid my bills. So I was really thankful for it. And I want to say like, this is how Jeff Bezos got rich. Yeah. My business did better than ever during the pandemic. Like we had lines. I mean, the socially distancing thing made us made it necessary to have lines mm-hmm. because suddenly we were like only two people allowed in at a time. We even went down to only one customer at a time. But yeah, it did better than ever. Wow. So yeah, you want to know how this guy got rich? He got rich off the backs of a pandemic because our lifeline was Shipping and receiving. Yeah, seriously. Um, and, and then a motherfucker's flying off into space like a giant fucking space dick. I know. <laughs> and then, I you know what? He fucking, he fucking stepped down as CEO from Amazon. And so basically the guy fucking filtered all this money off the backs of so many people. And then he's just going to step mm-hmm. down and let it fucking whatever the fuck. And then just go to space on the money he basically stole from the planet. It's fucking insane. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Amazon's shady as fuck. Oh too, my god! Because yeah. I like I'm I'm boycotting it. You know, yeah. like I'm not gonna shop there. Absolutely. Anymore. 
that's a note to the because users. We should be boycotting Amazon, Google. Like these big systems right now, we really got to start thinking about. I know change is scary and stuff, but you really got to think about. Oh my God, if I can't order it off of Amazon, how will I order it? And this is what I do. If I'm, I'm looking for something specific and I don't know where I'm going to get it from, I still look at it. It shows up on Amazon, but then I see who is selling this. And I go to them directly. Nice. I'm going to bypass Amazon because Absolutely. fuck Amazon. Yeah, fuck Amazon. Amazon. <laughs> they wouldn't even, they, their workers tried to unionize and their union busting tactics were disgusting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I can't even tell you. Like, they put up a whole website trying to tell you why you shouldn't join a union. Uh. And I'm over here screaming like, no, no, there's so many wonderful reasons why you should. In fact, if you came together with collective bargaining, you could actually demand what you deserve. Yeah, absolutely. They're not gonna ever pay you what you deserve to be paid. They're never gonna give you the benefits that you deserve to have. Nope. You're never gonna be able to live a good, successful life working for minimum wage when you deserve to have all these benefits. You deserve so dignity. I, I will always yeah. scream the benefits of having a union because they've really, especially in our industry, yeah. where you get, if you didn't have protections, you would get so abused. At the end of the day, it always comes down to, to money for production, mm -hmm. right? It oh, yeah. always comes down to money. Yeah. But if I didn't have, if I didn't have these contracts negotiated on my behalf, they would work us to the bone. Oh, totally. Yeah. We wouldn't sleep. We barely get sleep as it is. Yeah. And, it, you know, but like, like, and they, they have all the lawyers and the contract. They just have the whole infrastructure to basically exhaust people so that they can't fucking put up a fight. But it's like, you know, that's where unions come into play and like community. Like, we literally have to come together as collectives. My, you know, I have a simple theory of how we could fix like pretty much the world's problem. Turn Amazon into a nonprofit and then pay all the people that work there like decent living wages. Boom. Yeah. Problem fucking solved, man. You know, like all those profits should be reinvested into the planet, into the people running the place. We need more like worker owned, uh, like ventures. You know what I mean? Right. Oh yeah. There's like, there's an art store here that is owned by the employees which I think is so interesting when you're hired to work there you become an owner mm. and you get you and you receive the profits of the place nice which I think is so I don't know how I was like how do I make this work because I wanted to do that for the business that I opened but I couldn't figure out how how you do it mm -hmm. how do you make every employee you hire an owner of the business yeah. so I, I didn't have the resources available to me to do so but how amazing would that be? All we got to do is just get the right message out and like people will hear it because people are suffering. It's the solution that people want that they're not hearing because all of their ways of interacting with people, Instagram and Facebook, are owned by like Google and Facebook and these conglomerates that actually yeah. actively edit information from your existence. Like are you, are you familiar no, with like shit. cryptos you know, or Ethereum you know, or anything like that? I couldn't even believe I, I shared the how to see the sensitive content on Instagram in my story and they removed it yeah somebody sent me uh this uh this content is no longer available because it's been removed yep and i was like what the fuck yeah i you know i'm actively trying to tell people for a long for the last two years i've been trying to tell people i'm being deplatformed because what i'm saying rails against their power structures but people don't believe me they're just like oh whatever you know and it's like 
I'm also trying to tell people because like, you know, people think that getting all these followers really equates to like success. And it like at this point, it, re it, it really doesn't like it, it can help you. But like I've been up there in the followers and I'm trying to tell people like because everybody's clamoring to get there. Right. So they're suppressing yeah. people's content and keeping their follower count low because everybody's trying to climb up. So they but they don't let anybody blow up, you know, because it's actual algorithms that is impeding this stuff. So then everybody's doing this mm -hmm. weird fucking rat race just to be seen, you know, and it's like, yeah, but then if we just went to platforms that were active like before Insta uh, Facebook bought Instagram I was making a, a really solid living off selling my art on Instagram I had customers I have uh, my followers were growing it was like a really profitable prosperous time for me soon as Facebook fucking bought it like tanked everything changed it's like engagement started tanking like all this i can't get i can't even get a blue check like for some reason like my account is like flagged or some or shadow banned but they won't they won't uh even though i've been on tv and i fit all the requirements every time i try to they say my account does not meet the requirements what fucking requirements you know it's like ah, it's just like that's a whole other story well but, i don't you know. have any blue check marks so I know. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, like I, at this point, I'm like, it, it can go fuck itself anyways. You know, it's like that's that's what I'm saying. It's like <laughs> the, these these platforms. I'm, I'm actively like like looking into the decentralized web and cryptos and things like that, because like that's where it's at, man. That's the that's the way of the future decentralized. Do you know anything about like Ethereum at all? Ethereum? Yeah. Like the, the currency? Uh huh. Yeah. I lost, you lost a thousand dollars in Ethereum. Oh, really? <laughs> When I bought it a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, you bought it a couple of years ago? Do you still own Ethereum? Because yeah. if you still own uh, it, it... I don't... No, I don't. Oh, I shit. I lost all the money. Fuck. I lost it all. Because if you would still have it, you would have a lot of money because Ethereum is actually like worth a lot now. I know. <laughs> but, uh, this is the thing that people don't understand with crypto. It's so volatile that you just yeah. really got to keep it in there and forget yep. that you have it there. Yep. I was so like, it was, I was like, why didn't I just buy the Bitcoin? Why did I buy Ethereum? <laughs> what was I thinking? Well, Ethereum is that, you know, it's not a bad choice because there's actually like virtual realms where people are buying real estate and actually setting up legitimate art galleries that you can walk through virtually and actually purchase NFT art by artists. Like there's all these incredible things like Ready Player One stuff happening on the Ethereum blockchain, but you never hear about any of that shit in the Facebook reality, which is like, or Instagram, which is like mainstream, you know? And it's literally, yeah. it is being edited, you know? It's like, it's just undoubtedly is at this point, you know? Well, that's really interesting. This is the first I'm hearing of this and it sounds really cool. Yeah, look into I it, I wanna man. go into a virtual gallery Look it up. That's what I'm virtual saying. Virtual art. That's so cool. Yeah, that's the future. And it, it, all we gotta do is make that popular because, like, it's like you said, Amazon ain't gonna pay their workers a fair share. And these systems no. that are like our social medias, they're not gonna show you like real cool shit. Like, they're gonna show you the shit that keeps you on their platform, buying their shit, and like just like sucked into their like weird corpo colonial reality <laughs> i got lots of thoughts about i feel things. like i'm not so technologically advanced though i feel like an i feel like an old fart sometimes because i'm like how do i do the thing now i i hear you you know it's like even me well because technology is developing so rapidly that it's easy for like our generation is like we actually experience pre-internet living you know yeah and, and i think it's like i actually really believe that our generation should Again, we're the vanguards and we need to come together to fight for actually a free and fair internet. Cause you remember how fucking cool the internet used to be? Like MySpace days yeah. and like all those e-bombs world and shit. Like it was weird fucking shit, you know? 
And then the fucking corporate people came in and bought it all and made it suck. <laughs> it's like the internet sucks today because it's owned by fucking shitty, sucky people. So that's, yes. we got to... Shitty, sucky people who don't do anything good with their wealth. Yeah. Free Solomon. Not what, nothing. I know. Seriously. Nothing good. I, I cannot imagine, like, being the richest person in the world and not just, like, almost overnight somehow putting a plan into place to like save the world you know because like so it's like that's the thing it's like money's not the problem it, it's the it's the mismanagement of the entire system you know it's like there like i heard the, a really great thing there are no poor countries there's only poor people these third world countries that are being exploited for their resources they're rich they're rich with dense resources that's being exploited by corporations who harvest that extract the capital from these third world countries and then sell it to people over here with money and privilege that like you know so literally that's the, the entire problem with capitalism is that it runs on capital <laughs> like yeah and there's no yeah. end to that there's no end to that i feel you <laughs> i know I mean, we we fought for so long to be a free country, free to free to be capitalists, and now we're like, oh shit, we maybe that's not where it was at. Right. Maybe we need to figure out a way to have a different kind of society because it's impossible to have the American dream with the way it runs now. Absolutely. When the when the interests are always for the corporations and not for the people. Absolutely. Well, I think that was a good way to like sort of uh, wrap it up. Is there anything that you want to promo, shout out? What's your social media? Has you got a website, any of that stuff? <laughs> I'm really easy to find. I'm Stella Sensel underscore effects on Instagram, where I post most of my work. Um, I don't really Facebook. Where you can see my work. I mean, I've worked on quite a few movies that will be coming out soon that I'm excited about uh, and TV shows. West Side Story is coming out this winter. Nice. Very exciting. Directed by Steven Spielberg. Hell yeah. I just did background characters. That's not true. Not just. I did get to work on the Jets and the Sharks. Some of those characters as well. Because it was such a large cast. That sometimes you just... We just needed all hands on deck. Yeah. There was plenty of nights where where all 26 cast members were on set and wow. you were like all hands on deck oh my go. goodness 26 people um, on set. i don't even know how to handle that <laughs> that's, that's yeah. i've never been on I a mean, set that many also really exciting like the that i worked on a steven spielberg movie it was really cool and there's a trans character in the, in the film nice which is also really fucking played by a trans person who has become one of my favorite people to follow. They're very much an activist and they're very much, I mean, I this is who schools me on everything, really. What's their, um, what's their name? I want to follow them right now. Ezra Minas. Ezra. E-Z-R-A-M-E-N-A-S. They were also in Jagged Little Pill on Broadway and was one of two of the only trans representation that was on Broadway at the time. Wow. So that was also really cool. Proud of Ez. Have you bef- And then what else did I work on? I worked on a TV show called The Other Two, so you'll get to see a lot of my makeups. Nice. <laughs> it's uh it's on HBO. Uh, I worked on season two, Hell yeah. which is not out yet. It's coming soon. And what else did I do? Tick Tick Boom, another movie musical. Nice. I love it. It took musicals. place in the nineties. Um, I ran background on that. Hell yeah. And and that was during a pandemic, dude. Oh like, wow. 
And now I say dude to everyone, so don't, like, it's not a... Oh, you know, I, I'm glad you brought that up because to me, dude is absolutely 100% gender nonspecific. I, I just yeah. is, you know? I it's say like, dude. to everyone. Yeah, me too, dude. Everyone's dude to me. <laughs> me too. I'm a dude. And there's even the song, I'm a dude, he's a dude, she's a dude, we're all dudes, hey. It's like, it, it's, yeah. it's just common hey, knowledge, yeah. I'm a dude. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, what else? And then it's already out, um, Lisey's story, which is, Netflix. is that Netflix? I feel like that was Netflix. I don't know. I haven't Apple heard TV. of it. I don't know. It's a Stephen King. It's based off a Stephen King novel. Oh, cool. And I just did background actors on that. But that was literally my first job back from the pandemic. Wow. If anybody has watched it, it's really cool. All the scenes that take place on Booyah Moon, all those people that are around the pool on Booyah Moon, I did the same five people for two weeks straight. Nice. <laughs> nice. I didn't post any of the makeups because you couldn't... What I watched it because I was like, oh, I, I want to see the makeup I did. And you could only see one of the five people in like one scene. But whatever. You couldn't really see any of the people in the background. But the like the atmosphere of the whole thing was really creepy and sure. cool. And I liked it. Awesome. I was check a, it out. It was a cool. Um, yeah, it was a weird Stephen King story. I love me some King, man. That's good. It wasn't like there's, there was not a lot of suspense, but it was a lot of weirdness yeah. and like magical stuff happening. Nice. I love it. That's it. What am I working on now? I'm working on Time Traveler's Wife. Cool. Again, running background, which just means I work on all the background actors. Okay. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Right on. That's awesome. I'm so happy to hear you. Yeah. You're, you're still, you're, do, you're doing the thing. I love it. I'm doing the thing. That's right. I'm doing all right. I work a lot. I'm doing all right. I'm single. And I'm going to stay that way for quite some time because divorce is traumatizing. Well, sometimes we we need isolation is inherently isn't inherently bad, and sometimes it's something that we need to put ourselves together before we're ready for someone else to be in our life. Oh, totally, totally. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Like, I feel like we could even do like more episodes. Like, I'll have you back and we could talk about more stuff because like there's so much that we could talk about for sure. There's so much to talk about. Yeah, you're awesome, and this was like an incredible conversation. And again, I want to thank you so much because like. It was healing for me to be able to bounce some stuff off of you and to hear your perspective and hear things from you is very healing for me as well. So, like, thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. I had a nice time. You're the only person I talked to today. <laughs> right on. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that you enjoyed that. And uh, we'll have you back soon. <laughs>